Hello and welcome to another edition of Real Early. I'm your host, Larry Sternshine. On today's episode, I talked to the host of the Action Addicts podcast, Scott Wiley. Scott is a UK-based podcaster who has one of the very best shows to tackle action movies that you'll find. I highly recommend you give it a listen. For this episode, we talk about how he came to start the Action Addicts podcast, including the story behind his kick-ass theme song. I also want to dedicate this episode to Scott's grandfather, Harry, because he was such a big influence on Scott, becoming the film geek he is today. I also wanted to take some time out before we start to thank all the different podcasts that have inspired Scott and I to partake in our own journeys. To people like Daniel Epler of the Cobwebs Podcast, Ron and Jay of Filmstrip Pod, the boys over at Action for Everyone, Robin Patrick at Chainsaw and Claws, Lindsay with Schlock and Awe, Matt and Film Feast, Paul and Jeff with The Dynamite Show, and hundreds of other podcasts that inspire me every day. Thank you. And with that, Scott Wiley. All right, everybody. I'm here with Scott Wiley. Hi, Scott. Hi, Larry. I'm here. All right. I just want to remind you that I have hit record, so this should work. We're not going to have any problems of forgetting to record or anything like that, because that has happened before, I believe. Oh, it's happened to me before. Yeah. <laughs> it's only happened the once, but once with two goddamn many. <laughs> All right. So, Scott, you are the host of the Action Addicts podcast, one of my favorite shows, especially since I've been on oh, it. Thank you. Uh, so my yes. question is, so a lot of podcasts, they have a theme song, but I think you have probably one of the best theme songs because it's in theme. It has lyrics. And it's totally badass. And I want to know about the idea behind the song. Just work, talk through coming up with the concept, lyrics, who sings it, whatever. I want to know all about this. Uh, the Action Addicts theme song. It's in my head now that you've said it. Get in the action on the Action Addicts podcast. Um, so the song is depressingly not got an exciting story behind it, aside from maybe it's origins which was that when i was trying to come up with the theme song for the show i had like a music video in my head of what i wanted and the music kind of formed around the video in my head which was basically <sighs> think of a 1980s tv show if it was every major action movie like what would the opening of that look like like animated jackie chan sylvester stallone arnold schwarzenegger and Van Damme and just clump everybody together with all these uh, explosions. And like, what would that sound like? And uh, all the cartoons of the time, like G.I. Joe, He-Man, maybe a little bit of 90s inspiration, given that that's more my era. But I essentially contracted somebody, uh, and I would love to tell you his name, but I genuinely cannot remember because this was like two years ago. And uh, I basically told him all of that, but in great detail, and he went away. He did a demo for me with his uh, partner that did all the, the music and the production side of things. And pretty much the demo is 85% the song that you hear. And I've also got a bunch of stingers that I very rarely use, um, aside from the outro and the, the, the changeover to like a recorded conversation. But he basically nailed it in its, in its first go. I was very specific about the guitar riffs and what I wanted him to use as inspiration. And the lyrics kind of came up between the two of us. Uh, he sung it, which is uh, why I'm annoyed I'm blanking on his name, but I could probably find it. Uh, to, so you can add it back in at a later date. But um, 
I, I don't really mention it because I own it. Uh, I have the license. I can use it commercially if that ever becomes a thing. I don't have to worry about copyright. I don't have to worry about any of that. It costs a, a, a decent chunk of money to procure that. But luckily, um, before I was a podcaster, I was a YouTuber, I was a Twitch streamer, and I I like the entertainment industry. I know a few people in it, at least in the UK. So uh, to put it to put it nicely, it didn't cost me as much as it would someone else. <laughs> My theme song is just something I found on the on the site that has non copyright music that somebody made that's like fair use. And uh, I well, used to I used to click that on the show notes, but I haven't in a while. But I actually like my theme song. I think it's pretty pretty cool. I like everybody's theme songs. I mean, so many of the 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 shows that I listen to, their theme songs are usually just like um, almost synthwave music, but then they've got like audio clips from films and television shows played over them. Uh, the action drunkies or the cinema cinema drunkies used to have a really good one before they kind of went on hiatus. We love dad movies basically has the exact same thing, but with different clips of music. Um, and I, I wanted something unique for the show and, uh, I, I shopped around, you know, uh, if you want your own theme music, there's, there's lots of good services out there on places like Fiverr, believe it or not. Like I've heard some really good stuff from them. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I like, I like it. And I can sing it, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, my my theme is synthwave, but around Halloween time when I was doing Halloween shows, I found a cool Halloweeny type theme song. They're all spooky, and I did that, and uh, I thought that was fun. So you know, playing around with music during times of the year it seems pretty neat. But what I love about your song is that when I hear it. I start thinking of you in the background doing a montage of you like working out, getting yourself pumped up for the podcast. You need to make a, a music video for your theme song. I think. I, uh, I, I 100% would love to do that. And I probably could, um, I'd have to, to move some things around, but I, I might do that in the future. Um, I also have this crazy dream of if I, if it ever gets to the stage where it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it goes to the next level, I think is the best way of putting it. I would love to make a full length version of said song. I've thought about verses and hooks and, and the chorus would obviously be very similar to what's known for the main theme song and do like a full length thing. But that's a, that's a pipe dream for it. If, if we ever get to a bigger stage. Yeah, that's, that would be pretty amazing. And what I have to say though, I'm, I'm really proud of your show in the sense that like straight out the gate, it was a great show, I thought. Um, what was the idea behind starting the podcast, getting away from the, like, the YouTube and the Twitch and going straight audio? What was the the idea behind doing that? Well, for, first of all, thank you. Uh, it's always nice to hear that. I remember I got some very good feedback from mutual friend of ours, Matthew Essery. When he listened to the very first episode, he kind of echoed what you said. And I'll never forget, he, he turned around and went, oh, shit. This guy's serious. <laughs> um, but to serious. answer your question, uh, YouTube had kind of already fallen apart long before I stopped saying that I did YouTube. Um, despite what some people will tell you, there was a time when you didn't have to be very big to be successful on YouTube and you could make money. Uh, I wouldn't say you could quit your job and do it full time, but you could definitely have a nice side income. And I was kind of at that level. 
and then YouTube kind of exploded and and then imploded about three or four times. And from my point of view, it became a very nice uh, paperweight for one. Basically, all of their rules changed. They they never communicate. They don't tell you what's going on. And so I kind of gave up on it. And there's a really, really long story that I won't go into. My channel got deleted for four months uh, because unfortunately it got deleted. And then not too long after it should have come back is when uh, a very not nice individual decided to walk into YouTube headquarters with an armed weapon. And so it took a very long time for my channel to come back, by which point the momentum died and I lost tons of subscribers, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of gave up on that. I got very dis disenchanted. And then I moved to Twitch and uh, I did that with my friends. I would never say that that was successful in terms of finances, but it was very enjoyable. And uh, this was before the pandemic and everybody was trapped inside and everybody tried to do it. And so I had a nice group of people, but that kind of fell apart for very different reasons. And then I moved. And as I was discussing off stream, I'm now in a place with rubbish internet. So streaming and video uploading requires good internet unless you want everything to take days and to stream in like 240p. So it was really a case of, am I going to do something completely different? And the answer was yes. Like in my personal life, I, I did a lot of different stuff job wise, but also I kind of just took a break from content creation in general. And then when I was doing my daily walks and, and going to work, which was a half hour walk, I was passing the time listening to a show you're probably familiar with called Adkins Undisputed. And uh, then I found the Action Junkies and there was the Film Feast podcast. There's the Film Strip podcast. And slowly but surely, I started to build up um, a big list of podcasts that would fill up essentially my hour and a half of walking I did every day. And somewhere along the way, I became friends. Well, or at least I, I kind of acquainted myself with the people that ran these shows and the sort of circles that moved around them. And I, I got the community back that I'd really been missing from having my own YouTube channel, from having my Twitch. And um, I've always been into action films anyway. So I remember discussing it with Mike saying, you know, I'm thinking about doing my own show. This was the middle of 2021. And he thought that was a great idea. And uh, it, nothing happened for like six months. But secretly behind the scenes, I'd started talking to someone about the theme song. and. Uh, yeah, I started recording episodes in, I want to say, November. The first episode didn't go live until January. So it was a, that, that's the really long answer. <laughs> we have a lot in common in the sense that it was like film, film strip pod and uh, all the ones that you mentioned, like Film Feast and Atkins Undisputed, like all those shows were like, <laughs> I want to be on those shows. But I'm like, there's no reason to have me on these shows. Like, I'm just a guy on Twitter that's annoying sometimes. So I was like, and I was like, you know, I want to, I want to do a show too because it seems fun. Everyone's having a good time, and I wanted to come up with the idea for my show, and and I did. But it's it's funny how like all those same podcasts were the same ones that I was was listening to that gave me inspiration. So we got to definitely give props to all those guys. Um, I'll probably link all of their shows in the notes that we mentioned too for this episode. So everyone could click on those too, and maybe they'll be inspired also, like they are hopefully yeah. inspired by your show. Well, it's it's funny too because um, 
I when Mike was originally starting that show, he put out a thing to basically say, would anybody be interested in coming on and talking about Scott Adkins movies with me? And I think he got like 500 responses more than he was expecting. And uh, I was one of them. And we had a we had an episode locked down and uh, we had a film picked out. Uh, he hasn't got to that film yet. And uh, with action up for everybody being what it is, I don't know if he'll ever get to it. But I was uh, told a while back that I may yet be called upon to fulfill my ancient oath. But uh, I was also on an episode of the Action Drunkies, but it never went up. Um, it was around the time when they changed the name from the Action Drunkies to Cinema Drunkies. And it was on uh, US Seals 2, which if you follow my show, you'll know I just interviewed one of the stars of that film. So that I found that amusing that I was like... Yeah, I did a whole episode on this film, but no one's heard it other than me, Rob, and Mac. <laughs> I think that's the thing about independent podcasts is things can, you know, things unfortunately change, circumstances change around. This isn't something that can make too much money or any money, really. Like, even the successful ones aren't, like, doing any money. It's all for love of just doing this podcast or doing... Uh, talking about movies you like or whatever what uh, keeps you motivated to do your very best on your show what keeps you motivated do you know it's funny um if you've well i know you have but for anybody listening who maybe is unfamiliar with me there have been periods where episodes haven't gone out when they were supposed to some of that was outside of my control like my, my laptop died and i had a problem with the software at one point but um there are other times where it's just it's very difficult to keep on top of stuff. Um, so I'll, I'll, I will tell you a secret. I'm actually someone, and I imagine this is true for a lot of us, that struggles with anxiety and depression and various mental health-related uh, issues. I'm pretty good at self-managing, but if there's one um, that I struggle with the most, it's procrastination. And I never really understood why until I had to go and do a course in anxiety to try and overcome some of the issues I was having when it was really bad like couldn't leave my house bad. And I realized that distracting myself with things I prefer doing is kind of my go-to coping mechanism. So if the thing I'm enjoying at the moment is my podcast, I don't need any motivation. I will edit four episodes in a day and do nothing else. But if the thing I'm not enjoying is the podcast, uh, there ain't going to be an episode. <laughs> so I've kind of gotten a lot better at self-managing my time so that A, I don't feel overwhelmed and B, I don't just obsess over this and do nothing else which definitely happened when i first started because it was new and it was shiny and uh i'm sure there's somebody out there listening telling me that sounds like adhd yeah i know working on it but um it's one of those things where to stay motivated now is easy because so many people who are in the what used to be action twitter including yourself uh message me and I, and I think all of us just talking about films, talking about the things that we find cool, it's always, there's always a part of me that's like, oh, I want to do an episode on that. Or, oh, I'm going to have this person on and we're going to talk about that. I don't always remember. Sometimes I forget. But for the most part, I'm pretty good at doing that. And, the, you know, if sometimes I can't get a guest on, it's just going to be me. And that's fine, too. People seem to like those episodes. So there isn't really a negative. The only real negative is the time it takes. And at the moment, I've got a lot of time. <laughs> Yeah, I find that for me, since I need to find a person versus, hey, does anybody want to talk about, you know, a specific movie or whatever, I get 
in my head that like who could possibly want to come on the show like other than people i'm friends with like i'm really nervous to like put myself out there for like people i maybe kind of know or don't really know at all that i have to like do like actually my homework to to really you know deep dive into some of their audio or whatever um but i i think what helps me a lot is just having conversations with people that understand maybe what i'm going through or even if they don't just to be able to get it out there and i think it's good to to talk to people that that's one lesson that i've learned on my my whole life is when you keep stuff inside and you don't tell people it just becomes gets worse whereas if you start building relationships with people even if it's one or two people it definitely helps uh you kind of get over that that hump and to like grow as a person so that's that's my little lesson that I've learned, or you know, since I started my pot, my show, and and beyond that, in my whole life, it's just it's good to have relationships with people, and that and I appreciate all the people that I have relationships with now. It's I can't imagine getting through the last few years without some of the people that I did get to to learn online and whatnot. So and then you know we get to do fun audio shows now too. So I feel like we're doing pretty good. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I agree. Um it, it's it's kind of weird for me because I think uh, someone asked me this and I can't even remember who it was. I don't think it was Matt, even though we did talk about this as well. Um but somebody asked me like how I don't understand how in your very first episode you sound like you know what you're doing and everything you posted sounded like you've been doing this for years and my nugget of information is not anything new but it's uh it's fake it till you make it i i did everything that i did by self-research and just trying it and going oh this looks like it might work and as for being able to just hold an episode without a guest that's that again isn't any isn't a magic trick it's just practice it is just the fact that i streamed and if, if believe me if you want to be a good streamer which is usually just you and yourself uh, you kind of have to get used to talking when there is nobody else to bounce off of and just keep vamping in the vain hope that somebody finds it interesting. And the thing is, if you do that long enough, you're either going to get it or you're not. You know what I mean? It's like, um, you know, you're either going to get an audience of people that enjoy it and you're going to get good at it or you're not. It's it's one or the other. <laughs> so I had that advantage coming into this. I, I I can just keep going and fill the void. That's probably why my episodes are so long. I originally was going to start a, my podcast that was going to be about direct-to-video action movies. And yes. I was like, I don't want to bother anybody, so I'm just going to do this by myself. And I was just like, I don't know if I can necessarily do it by myself because I don't have experience going solo like on a item like this. And especially since you know, I think about and people who have listened to my show, they probably noticed that there's a lot of either pauses or you know like the ums or the likes and all that kind of stuff and i just feel like i'm just gonna ramble on too much so at least when i have a guest on i could just stop talking and they could do all the, a lot of the work because you know it's like a back and forth kind of thing but i think that's good advice is to to practice like there's nothing wrong with doing a show and not releasing it you know yeah 100%. do a show a bunch of times like you know just do a little practice and then maybe send it out to a friend or something and be like hey what do you think uh, I think that's, uh, I think this is great. These are really good life lessons. So if somebody's thinking about doing a podcast, you know, 
you know, try just try it first and see how it goes before you put it out in the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, if somebody is listening to this thinking, how do I start a podcast, uh, research the hosts because there are plenty of free ones out there. Anchor and Acast, I think, are the two most popular free options. I may be wrong. I've done no research into that. Those are just the two that came to my mind. And find someone or even do it yourself. It doesn't have to be fancy to do your art. Like my art is not fancy by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, don't worry about getting a fancy theme song. Just find like a royalty free track. Um, Reality is a lot of people don't even like theme songs in podcasts. They just want you to get straight into it. Like, you know, I've seen so many people complain about having to sit through 30 seconds of music not with our shows, but like other people's who are much bigger than I, I saw a, a poll on whether or not people like it. And it was really a divided opinion. So don't worry about it. A lot of people won't even care. And the the biggest piece of advice I would give is don't rush episode one. Don't feel like you have to have an idea and then next week put out an episode. I started thinking about doing this podcast the middle of 2021. Episode zero and episode one went out in January 2022. There was six months worth of, well, procrastinating, but also planning to make sure that everything actually worked and went together. It took me like two months to get out Rob's Antiquarius podcast, my first one, because I was just like, I, okay, so I got this audio. I don't know what to do with it. you know. And I was just like, I don't know how to edit it. So I started asking people, hey, what do you use? They told me about Audacity, which I'm pretty sure like 90% of the podcast is what probably I use. use. It's real, it's real, it's pretty easy, you know, to just kind of play with. I've been playing around with it. I can't quite get a lot of the editing just right. So I just pretty much leave like the audio here is pretty much the audio that we recorded. Very little editing. Um, but like just play it was just a lot of just playing around with it and stuff. And I you you eventually kind of get like the thing that works best so for me i was like okay i'll want to do a little intro and then we'll get into the interview and then it'll just end because like when i'll be like goodbye i don't i don't feel like coming back <laughs> and being like hey let me tell you something again and then goodbye once again so i just decided to do that um but a lot of it too is just a lot of being inspired by other podcasts so you know listen to different types of podcasts like one of the inspirations for me is mark Marin. And he pretty much has a short theme song, a little intro, then they go into the interview. So that's sort of like kind of what I do, except I have a slightly longer theme song. But it's just a lot of listening and doing a lot of research beforehand because you'll feel more com confident, I think, when you hear other people's shows, at least in my opinion. A hundred percent. And also, <clears throat> uh, uh, I don't think I've ever said this before because it's not information i tend to to share because a it's it's irrelevant and b uh there's a long story behind a part of this that i won't go into but i have never at any stage said this is my first or only podcast um there are other podcasts that i have done in the past uh one you will not find because i know for a fact it was purged from the internet uh any episode i was in which is the long story i won't go into <laughs> but there have been other uh times in my life where I've thought about doing this and I've got uh, two, three trial episodes for other podcasts that never went further than those trial episodes of me 
playing around with it. Uh, I've tried different software for recording and editing. And, you know, one of them uh, I have toyed with releasing as a bonus episode for this show because it was the 10 year anniversary of Kamen Rider Dragon Knight, the American attempt to bring Kamen Rider over to the West that didn't really work, but it has like Mark DeCascos in it and um, Stephen Ford and Matt Mullins. And it was a great, great show that got shafted by the CW network. And uh, me and one of my friends did a, did a sort of retrospective podcast episode on it, but it had nowhere to go. That was one of my trials. And uh, I, I don't even know where that file is anymore. I think it's on my computer, which is currently not operational. But if I, if I ever dig it up and re-listen to it, uh, it might see the light of day as a bonus episode. Wow, that's that's pretty cool. I hope you can find that audio because I think a lot of people would love to hear it, uh, especially those who didn't know that existed, like myself. I had no idea that that was a thing that happened in the U.S. So that's very interesting. Yeah, well, see, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but that was the problem with the show. It 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 didn't do very well in the ratings. Well, the reason it didn't do very well in the ratings is because the CW put no effort in marketing it. And they put it on at the worst time slots. And then they, just when I thought they couldn't screw over the show anymore, the back half of the show, they didn't air. They put it on their website. So the own, and it's never been released. It's never been syndicated. It's never been re-shown anywhere. So the only way that you'll ever see it is if you find torrents, essentially, of the original airings of those episodes. Um, and just to, just to continue the theme of what I was saying, all the way back in... 2013-2014 this audio is still online because it's on my SoundCloud Uh, I interviewed Amy Johnston for Film Combat Syndicate when I used to write for them and it's so funny going back and listening to that because that is basically an Action Addicts episode in everything but name I just didn't know it yet (laughs) that is definitely something that uh, fans of you if they didn't know that was there on your SoundCloud should go try to find it because one Amy Johnston's cool you know, and and it's and it's fun to see where somebody is was at and where they're at now. And plus, film kind of film combat syndicate's a great website, also. So it's kind of like a a win win to find that audio. If you don't know about any of that, you're gonna learn a bunch of stuff. So I think that's cool. Exclusively on the Real Deal podcast. Oh man! So Action Addicts, you've had a pretty good run so far. Uh, what is also something about the show that you'd like people to listen to to understand why they should to to listen to it and where they can listen to it ah i mean that one's easy it's it should be available everywhere if someone can find a platform that doesn't have it you let me know um i'll put it there <laughs> um as for a reason that's an interesting question not to sound like a politician there well that's an interesting question let me not answer it no um it's basically my philosophy for the show is I have a different guest on every week. That's more of a an attempt than a promise. You will find episodes that don't. But the idea behind that was me and you did Broken Arrow. And that's a great episode. I really like that episode. It's done fairly well. But if I got Andy on, for example, who's been on the show a few times, we could have done Broken Arrow. But even if I had, it would be completely different to the episode I did with you. And, 
you know, there are other people that have been on the show and sometimes I pick them specifically either because they're a perfect fit or they're totally not a perfect fit. And that's why I want them. I want to vary it so that you don't end up in a trap that I find with some podcasts, not all podcasts, but if you have a consistent set of hosts, sometimes you fall into the trap of going, oh yeah, I've seen that film. This guy's going to like it. This guy's going to hate it. This person's going to say it's okay. And that one's going to like it, but they won't like a character because it's got an aspect of them that, you know, whatever. You get to the stage where you know exactly what they're going to say before they say it. But by bringing on different guests and trying to cover films from all sorts of different areas, like we've done Western films, Indian films, Asian films, Indonesian films. I've tried to get people on who really know their stuff, who are kind of just casual fans. Obviously, we've had a few people who work in the industry on as well. And I've tried to keep it so that you never know what you're going to get. Like you might kind of, as time goes on, learn my taste, but you probably won't always know the person that's coming on's taste, even if they're recurring guests like Andy. Actually, I think that might be a fun try is do have Andy on Andy Gorham. I'm assuming you're talking about. Um, Yes. Have him come on and talk about Broken Arrow. I think that'd be really kind of interesting to have somebody talk about a movie that somebody else has talked about. And I don't know. I just think that sounds pretty cool personally. Uh, you know, cause I think what is it? King's cast? Like there's only so many Stephen King movies. So they've done multiple movies with multiple, like the same movie with different guests and the episodes are completely different. I think that's kind of like a cool idea of, uh, you know, you know, kind of keep things fresh and different and also keep people on their toes a little bit too. I think that's something you, you could think about or, or not do it at all. Like it, either way, don't, don't, listen, <laughs> don't necessarily listen to me. I'm not your, your producer or anything, but I would think it'd be cool personally. It doesn't have to be broken arrow. It could be like any movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've thought <laughs> about it. Um, the truth is, is that at the moment, especially every, every other week I get, a a list of films in my head that would be cool to cover. And then I talk to people that could potentially be on and nine times out of 10, they have their own list and they're ones I haven't thought of. But the second I see them, I'm like, that's what we're going to do. And so I I could envision a world, especially if it was uh, our friend Andy, because Andy is always like, just, just I'll be on whenever. So it, it you know, Andy would do, do it and have the time, but usually it's just a case of, I've always got something new to do. I've never got to that stage of thinking I could redo a film with somebody else. That that idea has occurred to me. It's just, like I said, when I first started, I honestly thought I would have Mike, Matt, Andy, who by that at that point had never been on a podcast, I will add. And um, uh, Shafi, um, you know, those are the four people I'll have on. And then I'll probably struggle to get anyone for a while and then I'll have them back on again. And that isn't what's happened. <laughs> it's actually been harder to try and do solo episodes than it has been to get people to come on, which has been a nice surprise. Yeah, people love to talk to you and to talk about the movies they love. So it's kind of like, of course, people are going to be wanting to go on your show and being like, dude, I just want to do this one by myself, but I can't because there are a thousand people want to be on my show. Like, that's a good do, thing. Do you that's know how many problem. people? Yeah, yeah, genuinely, do you know how many people sent me a message after the Everything Everywhere All at Once episode went up and they saw there wasn't a co-host? I just had a ream of DMs going, 
oh, I would have done that with you. I loved that film. And I'm like, I know, I know. Do you I think? Just did to they do that think that? Did they think that you didn't think anyone liked it, and you were the only one that was going to be able to talk about it? Like sometimes you just no, I get your own thoughts. I think by it was yourself. a case of. <laughs> I think it was a case of they thought that it was too short notice, and that's why I didn't ask anyone. And it's like, no, I I didn't ask anyone because I wanted, you know, I I wanted to make sure that there are episodes where it's just me. Um, but now I've kind of given up on that. I I don't I I I'm much more productive when there's a second person. <laughs> no, I I hear you. It's it's great to have that little back and forth, uh, too with people. That's why I like doing my show. Just I I'd like to get to know. The people better like i've had friends on that i'm like oh i didn't know that or like i was not sure about that or i have a better understanding of this person i think i think you also get that aspect with when you have a guest on that i think is really cool you know and i it's it's great to hear you know people's backgrounds about why they like a certain movie um what it is about that movie that excites them and stuff like that i think that's pretty cool why i like having shows i listen to that have different guests on every week so it's not just yeah well like you said it's like oh i know this guy's not gonna like it and you know it's like uh, you know also too i did a quick search on letterboxd for action movies there are almost thirty-seven thousand action movies listed on letterboxd so you you literally can do this until you die and never repeat an episode which i find yep amazing too so it's like yeah, you could do that, or you could, you know, talk about some action movie that no one's ever heard of or or whatnot. So I don't know. You you do what's best for you. And uh <laughs> don't listen to me. Uh, the other I question I Thank have you. related then is how do you choose are there more or right, let me put it this way? Are there types of action movies that you discuss that do better than others in listenership? Hundred percent. And it's uh, I can I can tell you exactly what it is because it's a genre. Well, it's a genre. It's a type of movie that I had never watched before doing the show, and that is Indian action movies. Not only do they perform better, they perform better in meteoric measures to the point that uh, RRR, which is my number one most listened episode, the the next three episodes combined in listenership, don't touch it. Are you like uh, with Anchor that I use? They'll tell you like what countries list that people listen to. Are you seeing it like a, a much India. higher list? Is India really people from India are listening yeah, to your show it, when you talk about it? That's really cool. Yeah. So the, I did an episode of Master with Matt, which was my first ever Indian film, and it did it did fairly well for the show. And then I did RRR, and that one kind of exploded. Um, I don't have any other episodes that that are anywhere near it in terms of uh, listens. But a funny thing happened is in the the intro to RRR, Matt and I point out that we did Master. So all of a sudden, Master, which hadn't really moved in a while, went boom and became episode number three on the most listened episode. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a diehard audience. I mean, that particular episode has a big United States uh, listenership as well. It's not just like it's put there from the massive India listen, but yeah, my my top countries are United States, United Kingdom, India, and surprisingly Spain recently. I don't know how, but huh. Spain all of a sudden has become one of uh, a big percentage of that. 
Um, but I've got, yeah, I've got listeners from all over. It's so funny. Like when I see people um, from Jersey and Ireland, I'm like, I know who those were. <laughs> 0.2% of my listenership is Shafi and Brendan. <laughs> hey, those are two good people to have listening to your show, though. <laughs> yeah, man. So if, instead of it saying real early with my guest, Scott Wiley, it's going to be real early. And I mentioned Pathan once, and then we'll see if like I get a huge listenership out of that one. If I mentioned Pathan in the title. Uh, have you seen that yet? <laughs> have you seen Pathan no, yet? No. Um, so there's no cinema near me that is showing it. If oh, I want to go and see it. Yeah, it's it's frustrating too because the cinema line that is showing it, there used to be one here, but it it was it's in a building that's no longer open, which is really frustrating. So in order to see it, we have to travel. And um I want to, but I'm I'm trying to confirm that there are English subtitles in the screening because it doesn't actually have the information there. And I have done that before where I've walked into a foreign film screening and it's not got subtitles, and I'm like, great. Well, I'm still going to watch it, but I've got no idea what's going on. So I'm not doing that again because cinema tickets are expensive these days. Yeah, they're they're up there, uh, especially with the, what they're doing with AMC and the States with the seat tiers. Hopefully that doesn't take off, but we'll see. Um, the cool thing about Indian cinema, by the way, I've noticed because I'm still very new to it, but I've seen quite a few now in theaters, is how much they incorporate English into their language which I find very interesting and I need to learn more about the Indian language and why that seems to be the case. But I feel like of all well, the, of all the foreign cinema, I just want to point out that India is probably the easiest one to go into and be like, I may not know the words, but I could definitely kind of tell what's happening. Yes. Depending on what you watch, but I will just also add that um, just cause I know if there are people listening, uh, there's, there's several, languages in india um there isn't just one indian language uh that that's kind of the thing that i i get irritable about because rrr for example is on netflix but it's in hindi but it's not a hindi language film um i'm pretty sure it's a telugu language film or a tamil language film i'm doubting myself now but i know that the films that i've watched recently which is um Vikram and Master, which are both via Lokesh, they're both Tamil language films. And yeah, they're not Bollywood, which is something that Matt explains in great detail on our Master episode. And then we get reinforced in the RRR episode. And by the time this comes out, probably on my Vikram episode as well. So we shall see what the future holds. I plan to do a lot more Indian films just because I've been enjoying them so much. All right. So I'm just throwing my head out there. If you need someone for Pathan, I'm ready to talk about it at the time because i think by the time that comes out for you to be able to see it i'm hopefully we've seen more and learned more about it because when i was a kid when i discovered hong kong cinema that was just like opened up this whole world for me i was like i had to get my hands on as much hong kong cinema as i could and i'm getting that buzz from the indian films i'm seeing now and all the different regions of india have different types of action movies and it's pretty amazing uh so my question to kind of tie into my show here a little bit what is it with you scott and just like i just love just talking with you man uh anyway 
what was the movie that you saw where you're like, man, I love action movies? What was what was your 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 first I love action movies movie? That's a good question. So uh, before I answer that, I just want to say that I was the same as you with Hong Kong stuff. I um, I I I don't know what questions you're going to ask me, but I, I um, I'm going to kind of potentially answer one of them now, which is that I obviously grew up with Hong Kong cinema. Um, I've said this on my show a few times. My granddad is very much the big inspiration and the guiding light that gave me my love of action films. My dad is up there too. He enjoys them as well. But my granddad has consumed more action films than probably most people have forgotten. And, um, you know, he and I could talk about them like I talk about them on my show every time I saw him. And I used to see him three or four times a week and we could go for hours and he would rent films. He, he, he had more DVDs in his house and more VHS tapes before them in his house than he had space on the shelves for. And he would record everything off the television. So, you know, he it, it, it's... It is. I don't quite know how to paint this mental picture for you, but if it if it existed, he'd probably seen it and had it on some sort of copy. Uh, so I've seen a lot of stuff that I've forgotten, which is quite so funny when I suddenly realized this is one I watched with him when I was a kid. But I don't think there's one film I can pull out of my head that makes me go, I love action films, because I think it's two different for a long time in my head, I consider martial art films and action films almost like two different things. So for martial art films, it's probably Fist of Legend with Jet Li. And for action films, it's probably Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator 2 or Commando, which I realize is two very different feeling things. But for me, it was always Schwarzenegger as a kid. And even though I was a big Jackie Chan fan, Jet Li's Fist of Legend, I had it on VHS. It got rewatched a lot. Didn't realize until years later why I loved it so much. You know, the talent in that film didn't know anything about the people behind it. And of course, it was the horrible dubbed version that took oh, out so oh. much of the context. So, oh, yeah, every all of these old films that I say I've seen, they were all dubbed versions. And they're they're hilarious. Some of them, some of them are just when you when you watch the dub, but you have the subtitles on, it is beyond hilarious how completely different they are i i find that hilarious was your grandfather like did he just like movies or did he do anything in that industry yes. at all just like movies no no i mean when he was younger he wanted to be an artist um he was a fantastic cartoonist um to the point that if you gave him a pen and paper and left him alone and he didn't get distracted, he would, by the time you went back to him, he'd have made a cartoon, like a little cartoon strip that you'd see in a newspaper or um, the caricature type drawings where everything is over-exaggerated. He could do them in his sleep, quite literally. And he, he was hospitalized multiple times due to various problems that he had. And because he had nothing else to do, he'd either read or he'd draw and there were multiple times where because, you know, it's a busy environment, you don't really get much in the way of attention unless you've got your own family there. He would draw what he saw and he would make jokes about how ridiculous the, the situations are. And I remember like the nurses got to the stage where they would start asking him, like, what have you drawn for us today? Because he literally like made a almost a mini full comic out of his times in hospital. And they thought it was hilarious. 
Um, the doctors didn't find it hilarious because usually they were the butt of the jokes. But, you know, <laughs> got to have a sense of humor when you're driving your freaking Mercedes away. But it's one of those things where he would have loved to have worked in the industry, I think. But he's also quite happy to just be a consumer. He's very much a person that liked working with his hands. He was a mechanic. He worked at security. Uh, he did do martial arts a little bit in the sort of 60s and 70s, but he never really did proper formal training and got graded and had the belts, etc. But um, he, he had a great story where a policeman in the UK he became friends with when he was working security. They, they had He had a wooden man in his house, you know, the ones that they do uh, Wing Chun on. And the policeman really wanted to show off how skilled he was. And um, the way my granddad used to tell the story is it's like that scene in uh, Rumble in the Bronx with Jackie Chan, where the policeman was you know, very happily going clunk, clunk, clunk. And then my granddad went up to it and just Jackie Chan it and went. Duh, 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 duh. And he was like, that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> and apparently they fell out after that. <laughs> yeah, the cop was probably just like, uh, get out of my house. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Man, your grandfather sounds really cool and interesting. Um, that's that's really fun that he helped instill your love of cinema like that. Like, um, I remember going to see The Untouchables with my grandfather, and he was for for me and my relationship with my granddad was more of I was the young one and he's the adult, and it's like this. I'm in awe of him. He just seemed like larger than life. So to have him take me to a movie was just like, like a memory I'm I'm never gonna forget. Um, but like, it's cool that you had a, that good relationship with your grand grandfather, like that. Um, well, I I was incredibly lucky because with what you just said, m- my dad and my granddad would take me to the cinemas. But so the three of us just going and watching films, it wasn't like a weekly thing, but we would do it a lot. And nine times out of 10, I didn't know we were going. It was a case of they would usually make up a story along the lines of we're going to go shopping or we've got to pick up something for your nan. And then suddenly it would take me a while to figure it out. And then I'd realize we're going towards the cinema. And I will also add, because like I love I love explaining this and I wish there were, I had pictures, but our cinema was special and i will never forgive the council of where i grew up for tearing it down uh for for reasons that weren't true um but our cinema was an old cinema like you go in through big revolving doors a staircase going down with a big red carpet all old school upholstery like from the 1920s and you had a booth to get your tickets from and the cinema screen was a massive cinema screen, like way bigger than anything you get today. I'm talking like IMAX size for a projection screen. And it had a pink curtain across it like you're going to the theater. This cinema is like, I've never found another one like it. The closest I've ever seen is the Prince Regent in London, which is an independent chain that does old movies. But honestly, if my cinema was still around... And I showed the people in the Prince region what our one looked like. There's no comparison. And it, it, it enrages me that they tore that down because that thing should have been protected for its historical significance. Yeah, I was picturing that theater that when you were explaining it and describing it, and I was just like, man, I want to go there real bad. And I can't, obviously. And it reminded me of a theater by me uh, called the Eden's Plaza, I think it was. 
It was two buildings, separate buildings, and each building had its own movie screen. It was like round, like the building was round. And the screen was massive. Like I saw Jurassic Park there back in 93, but like you could have, like it felt like you were like actually in Jurassic Park. That's how big the thing was. And I was just like, man, I miss the, the days of movie theaters being like cathedrals as opposed to just little shopping centers you know it's kind of a shame yep i'm right there with you now where did you grow up uh exactly uh well obviously i grew up in the uk and specifically i grew up in the county of cornwall which is in the farthest south of the uk you can get on a map we are the little divot on the left hand side that is all cornwall uh with devon and somerset above and to the right of us um i grew up in a town called sanostal well, actually, I grew up in St. Blasey, but again, long story, St. Austell, St. Blasey, they're next to each other, and I grew up in both. Um, so, yeah, I kind of grew up in what most people would consider the middle of nowhere, even though it's the south and surrounded by water on pretty much all sides. So, seaside resort, historic market town. When I grew up, most of the roads were just lanes, and then, yeah, it was an interesting place to grow up. <laughs> and, and what time period are we are we looking at here? I don't necessarily 90s. want to age you, but you were born nineteen ninety one. Oh, okay. Because I was just curious because, like, I've had actually I think of the first UK person I've had on my show. Uh, but anyway, point is this: when you were growing up, did you have television? Was it because I know there was like the BBC. Yeah, maybe some cable channels. Like, what what was it like to be a movie fan growing up on your television? Like, what did how did you get to see movies? Like, what what channels and stuff? <clears throat> so, uh, t- television was kind of different, at least where I lived in the UK, because I've said this on my show before, and I'm gonna say it again, but I have kind of recently learned that I might be wrong in that cable doesn't exist in the UK, um, but it may have existed once. Uh, but only in like the big cities in the north. In the south, it certainly didn't exist because running those cables, <laughs> no way. But um, so the very early memories I have, all movie consumption was basically VHS tapes. Um, I think someone we knew had a laser disc, and you know I knew what a Betamax was, but no, none of us had one. So my dad had a top loader. VHS player. My granddad had uh, a standard loader, but it was also a recorder. He had like two um, so that he could record and watch at the same time, basically. And um, obviously this all changed as time went on. But growing up, there was only, I want to say five channels, which is BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, literally four, which is called Channel Four, and it still is called Channel Four. And then the, uh, Channel 5 was like the new channel that had only launched, I think, in the 80s. Um, so basically, it was whatever was on those channels. That was it. That was all we had. Um, eventually, I want to say 1997, uh, Sky TV launched, which was a satellite company. And they brought 100 channels to the UK. They brought way more American stuff. But annoyingly... A lot of the stuff that we already had on like BBC and Channel 4 suddenly moved to Sky because the channels that they actually belong to over in the US now reclaimed them and put them back where their channels were on the satellite packaging. So 
not a lot of people were happy about that because things like the simpsons went to sky and from my point of view power rangers went to fox kids which hadn't existed up until that point it was on bbc one uh or gmtv if you want to be specific if there's any uk people listening uh so yeah growing up uh most of the films like for example the one i remember is short circuit 2 watching it on television not realizing there was such a thing as a tv cut and watching it on dvd years later oh there's a lot of swearing in this film and a lot of adult humor i don't remember any of this and then realizing it all been cut out for the version i'd grown up with so i'd never actually seen the full version i don't remember there being a lot of swears in short circuit too so clearly i have also only watched the tv version but maybe the dvd i got is like an uncut version and i just didn't realize but yeah, it, it, there was a lot more in it than like the version I grew up with. Like, uh, whole scenes were missing when he went and confronts uh, some gang members. That ain't in the version I have on VHS. <laughs> wow. And yeah, so then you had must have had video stores. Then is that where you, you and your family? Yeah, were yeah. So there was. Um, we didn't have a blockbuster, which instantly annoys people because that's what they're all waiting for me to say. Uh, the UK did have Blockbuster, but it, it did not where I lived. So we had an independent version called Video Buzz. Uh, it rented videos and it rented video games. Uh, I I imagine it did do Nintendo, but again, I'm going to dispel another myth of a completely different audience. The Nintendo did not do very well in the UK. Uh, the Mega Drive ruled supreme here, what you guys call the Genesis, but also the UK had microcomputers. There were hundreds of other games consoles that those two had to compete against nintendo didn't know how to do it the sega did and they also conquered europe so it was a very different environment growing up here despite what popular youtube channels will tell you from the uk because they're trying to appeal to a u.s audience however there was also a a, a retail chain called spar and co-op co-op is still going spar i think is gone but there was one literally down the road from where my granddad lived and they had their own selection of rentals and he was uh, a member with them. So he could literally go in and I think it cost like two pound with his membership uh, and he could rent anything for X amount of days. So that's that's how I consumed a lot of stuff growing up is we would go there together on a Thursday night because I would be staying at my nan and granddad's house and then we'd watch a film that night and then it, we'd take it back the next day or I'd watch it again if it was really good. But that very rarely happened. So when you went to these video stores, or do you, do you have the memories of looking at the the cover arts of of like, oh man, I want to see that because that looked really cool. Did you do you have any video cover memories that that you can think of? Yes, I do. The last action hero on VHS is one I remember because here it is for those people is that, who can see me. Which he's is he's showing us the last action hero VHS. Is that the original one that you saw in the in in the store? Correct. Um, this one is uh, is the box. The tape, you might just be able to see behind me. This is all irrelevant for people listening. But it's been converted into a light. It's got LEDs in it instead of tape. So it's like a little lamp for me now. Um, but yeah, the last action hero is one I remember standing out. Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, is one that for obvious reasons stood out. I mean, I can remember seeing the film poster for that on said cinema that I described earlier as I would walk through the town. And it drew me in as did several others over the years i mean i can remember going to video bugs specifically and looking around at a lot of the action films 
And I think there was a few like Cynthia Rothrock ones. There was a few Chuck Norris ones. And I wasn't obviously allowed to take them because I was too young. And my dad was um, not uh, uh, like restrictive or anything because I watched a lot of my like older stuff with him the first time anyway. But it was a case of um, he he. <laughs> Well, he went in to, to get stuff for him. I could, I was very, very rare that I could talk him into getting something else that I, I wanted to watch. Um, he, I, he was much happier to rent me a video game than a movie, <laughs> but I, I do remember it, yeah, quite, quite vividly. And it sounds like your grandfather's house was its own video store, the way you describe it. With the, he said he had it more, it still is so. I have a question. I usually ask my guests, but I want to know how does he uh, arrange the movies? Does he have like a, a thing that he does? Oh, or, <laughs> are they, how are they done? I got to know. Oh, uh, you're not going to like the answer. They're not. I mean, um, just, just to, uh, again, for people listening, he's not with us anymore. Um, he sadly passed away two months before the podcast launched. Um, which was, you know, I, I had hoped to have him on the show one day, but it is what it is. But um, he didn't organize anything. His his ability to organize left him, I think, in the 60s. Um, my nan, his wife, did all the organizing, but she didn't touch the films or his stuff because, yeah, he uh, he just had piles of stuff. The stuff that was on the shelf would usually be together if they were like franchises, like you you would find Rush Hour 2 next to Rush Hour 1 and you'd find the Rambos next to all the other Rambos, but you wouldn't. Rambo and Rush Hour, both ours, could be on opposite sides of the shelves. So basically it was a free-for-all. Best of luck to you. But those VHSs, up until fairly recently, but they might still be there, We, I, they, he still had them. Like he had Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Stars and Red Dragon, the old uh, Fist of Legend VHS tapes. They were all still there when I went through some of the stuff, like in a massive crate of just VHS tapes. And I was just like, he didn't throw stuff away, man. He was a hoarder. <laughs> well, he sounds like a really cool grandfather. I'm sorry to hear that he he passed, but like you're you have like those are still some memories that you're gonna have in those those tapes. You should probably not get rid of them i think because i like I agree, him, it's just storage <laughs> oh yeah like him though unlike him i should say i regret getting rid of some of the stuff i did like uh, I've, I've mentioned this on some of my shows but my my mom used to record movies off hbo and, and showtime or whatever we had and I wish I could go back now and see what movies were paired with other movies. Cause you know, you, EP you could fit like three movies on a tape. Like what I was like, man, I, I kind of wish I could go back and see what we have recorded and like how they were, you know? So that, that's a cool little time capsule that you still have to, that you can go look at every now and then and kind of have memories and whatnot. So I think that's really cool. They still had them. Yeah. He, uh, he converted a lot of them to DVD, um, the stuff he recorded off the t television. Um, he had a VHS to DVD writer, recorder, etc. And, you know, there are stacks and stacks and stacks of black DVD cases with a little blue sticky note on the inside telling you the four films he's put on those discs. All of those are gone. Um, they, they, you know, they, they, uh, they were not in any way, shape or form a state to keep, but 
it was amusing to go through them and just see what was there. Um, <clears throat> as I said, there was no point in keeping any of them, but all of the the officially released VHSs, I think we kept, and all the DVDs are still there waiting for me to do something with. Um, quite a lot of them are mine anyway. We used to mix up our collections all the time, and some of them are my dad's, and you know, there's like all 11 seasons of MASH, uh, so there's 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 so much random stuff there beyond just action films, um, but yeah, he uh, he he, I've I've forgotten. I was gonna say something to what you said. It is gone. So ignore me. Move on. <laughs> and I assume you have some movies. How are you organizers? Well, um, at the moment, a decent chunk of them are in airtight boxes to my left. There is a gigantic, um case of dvds that towers over uh, sorry of blu-rays that towers over me and they are organized by type so they're not alphabetical because they won't all fit and it, it annoys me that i can't make them all fit so i i do i won't do it until i can but basically i've got all the superheroes together i've got all of the martial art dvds together like from the 80s i've got all of the like quentin tarantino films together i've tried to condense them into box sets so like instead of having all the rocky films individually i've just got one set of the rocky films um they help save space but some of them take up more space than if i just had them individual like the quentin tarantino box set it's not really a box set it's just a cardboard box that has all the blu-rays in it so that is a complete waste of time <laughs> oh, that's interesting i don't have any boxes that are just for Tarantino movies. That's weird. Um, my collection is random. I just put them away. It's kind of like shuffle. I call it the shuffle system. Where if I'm like, man, I just want to watch a movie. I look at a part of the shelf and go, I'll watch that movie. Which has got to drive. I know it drives some of my friends insane. If they saw my little collection, they'll be like, why is this here and not here? It would kill them. But that's okay. They're not going to visit. My my issue is I I don't want them in exactly alphabetical order because for example all my MCU films are together and they're in phase order. Um well at least they are until the end of phase three. There aren't any phase four Blu-rays here currently. But um I've also got my uh gray market Blu-rays, I suppose I'll call them all together because they look nice because the spines all match and they look well presented. I've got a, a completely separate bookshelf holds my Eureka Entertainment and 88 Films collections because they're all of the, the re-releases, most of which I'm going to cover on my show, some of which I already have. Um, so like the story of Ricky O, that's over there, even though realistically it should be over there with the martial art films. But uh, because I know I'm going to be using them in the show, I, I've kind of just given them their own shelf so that they're easy to find and I don't have to go through my own version of the shuffle system. <laughs> and my last question here relatedly then is, how are you discovering movies now? Is it just word of mouth? or Because there's no video stores or anything like that anymore. It's all streaming. So how do you discover new movies? I'd say for me, it's a mix of everything. Uh, word of mouth has definitely become a stronger element of me discovering movies simply because of the fact that I now follow people that have similar tastes to me. 
and some people that don't um you know rob is a big horror guy as is patrick and their podcast chainsaws and claws i've not listened to a single episode because i have not seen any of those films because horror isn't has never really been traditionally my thing but i find it interesting following them and the podcast channel because i see things that i'm unfamiliar with or i am familiar with but i've never seen and i like seeing people's opinions and i think i'm the same with new movies social media has allowed everybody to sort of put up their own reviews we've all got letterbox accounts and that sort of word of mouth is really good for finding stuff but also a lot of the labels like the two i mentioned and arrow video and vinegar syndrome for you guys they are really good at re-releasing cult classics and genre pieces and things that maybe didn't do as well so going through their libraries is quite good for finding old movies that i've never heard of and as for new movies the big ones they get advertised to death uh so it's more the independent stuff that i keep an eye on and i tend to follow websites and people that are really good at going hey this is a thing you should keep your eye on it obviously isn't foolproof and yes uh, a lot of stuff i find through algorithmic you know magic via netflix and prime and disney and all that so like i said it's, it's a mix of everything really yeah, I've I found that it's just luck a lot of times to find the movie that you've never heard of before. Like for instance, I'm going to a movie later today. Um called She Comes from the Woods, I think it's called. Never heard of this movie in my life. Nobody I know has ever heard of this movie. I it just happened to be playing at the local theater. And I'm very excited about it because I feel like I might be on the ground floor of something that could become these these filmmakers have made a couple of movies that people seem to like that have heard of them um and i just kind of got lucky you know so i think a lot of i think for you know like uh, people who are just starting to get into movies uh i think a lot of it is just going to have to be luck of finding the right person or you know discovering yeah. the right movie that the algorithm <laughs> told you about which i i have to say i hate the algorithm because whenever i do it it's always like well, of course, it's the new movie that Netflix just came out. Like, come on, that's that's obvious. Like, they don't really go too deep divey on that kind of stuff. But sometimes you get lucky. No, I mean, I I don't know if if like a new movie goer is going to hear this conversation, but maybe they'll hear it in the future. I don't know. But if if people out there are kind of starting their movie journey or have grown up in this era where everything is provided for you youtube netflix amazon disney hbo for you guys and like hulu um if you're in this era where computers and algorithms are telling you what to watch based on your previous history and recommendations and what you've responded to that's not, there's nothing wrong with that Th those those things are fine but i would say as somebody that grew up in an era where everything changed like i've said this before i grew up where smartphones well, mobile phones didn't really exist where there were still vhs tapes there were still cassette players and yet by the time i started uh secondary school everything had changed like technology had just leaped massively Games were now in 3D. Televisions in some places were now kind of getting into high definition. VHSs and cassette tape. Pah! No, CDs and DVDs. Like, that change was quick. And people born in the late 90s, 
don't even know what I'm talking about. And yet we were born in the same decade. And I feel like the 2000s and the 2010s, they've had it even worse. Like technology just went and it has not stopped. And if you're somebody that has had to grow up with all of that and thinks it's normal and is like, I don't see what the problem is, that's fine. That's what you're used to. It's it's not an issue. But what I would say is go and watch stuff that hasn't been suggested to you. Listen to these types of shows, my show, the other shows we mentioned, random shows that I haven't mentioned that I probably also listen to. Listen to the older voices that you probably don't want to listen to because you think they're old. But the films that we're all talking about, we talk about for a reason. And that reason is, is that they're pretty good, but maybe they don't necessarily reflect what's popular today. But I feel like when people do go back and they have that reanalysis, it's surprising how many people often will then go, wow, I can't believe nobody told me how good this was. And you saw us out there going, we did. You just weren't listening to us. And if you can do that, if you can be open to the stuff that you're not familiar with, not experienced, and you're not going to judge it, you'll have a much better time. And you'll probably open up to a massive world of movies that you're unfamiliar with. Like you said at the, some point in this conversation, 37,000 action movies on Letterboxd. And I'll guarantee you those aren't every action film ever made. And that's just action films. You know, <laughs> you'll never watch every movie ever made. I think that is great advice to go outside your comfort zone and not watch something you haven't seen. And a great way to do that would be to listen to like Actions Addicts or all the other podcasts out there. Uh, so Action Addicts is you can like we've talked about, you can listen to it on all the major platforms, just like my show. Uh, but where can they also find you on the interwebs so they can also get some of that recommendations and knowledge for movies they might not have heard of where can they find you uh well uh the best place to find me unfortunately is twitter which i know is kind of falling apart at the seams at the time of recording so god knows how well this will age but my personal account is really uh, difficult to say it's psycho gold gaming but with no g at the end i'm probably gonna just shorten that to psycho gold because the gaming part has become irrelevant that's a a holdover from when that was essentially my Twitch streaming account. Um, and the podcast is also on Twitter at Addicts Action because Action Addicts is taken by somebody else. And I've now recently learned it's another action podcast that hasn't had an episode in years. So thanks for that. But uh, but I'm, I'm also on Instagram and that's easier to find me there because on that I am Action Addicts Pod. So yeah. Find me on any of those things, and I post fairly regularly. I need to get better at posting stuff that isn't just new episodes, but, you know, social media is a very scary, confusing thing, and the algorithms that run them change all the time, so sometimes I think I'm better off just not. <laughs> all right, Scott. Dude, I really appreciate you coming on my show. This has been an amazing conversation. I've learned a lot, and I hope people listening enjoy it as much as I did. So thanks again. Thank you for inviting me. I, I had a blast and it's always fun to talk about stuff that I don't bring up on the show. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you again. And everybody have a good night. Thanks.